Well, if you have your Bibles, if you will be opening up to Philippians chapter 1. Philippians chapter 1 is where we'll be um, working from here in just a moment. Um, let me just say it's already been said uh, how well our young men did this morning. I heard the same about our young ladies, and, and we look forward to tonight uh, with some, some others getting to participate and to uh, share their lessons and their scriptures and their speeches. Um, so Thomas was up there leading singing, and I don't know if you guys know it or not, but Thomas and Jonathan are our song-leading coaches. And if you've ever sat in one of their song-leading classes, um, they are brutal, okay? I mean, they don't cut these boys any slack at all. Tucker, is that right? I mean, he's, I mean, I mean, especially, they just, I was like, well, I'm, I'm not about to stand up and have them critique me. But then I, I got to thinking when you were up there leading singing, I was like, you know, maybe they're critiquing him at the same time. And that, that's the dangerous, right? Um, I try to go real easy on the boys for that reason. Uh, I, I don't want it coming back at me. But anyways, uh, today is, is what we traditionally have called our Leadership Sunday. It's the Sunday before we go off to Lads to Leaders, uh, the culmination of a great deal of, of work, uh, both here at the building uh, through practices, but also in our homes. Um, so many, uh, you, it, when you see a young person that really excels, uh, it's because they have a parent that has helped them and pushed them and encouraged them. And so all of those things come together in this day. I've been thinking about this idea of leadership, and in particular, on Wednesday night, we're studying from the book of Philippians. And when, when I was reading along earlier this week in, in Philippians, trying to get ready for class, my, my thought just became, now there is a leader. That's what leadership really looks like. So here in Philippians chapter 1, you remember, and I'm not going to reteach the class, right? I I'm, I'm, I'm promise you I won't do that, but I hope maybe more of you will start coming to Bible class because we're going to continue th- th- this thought process. But, but Philippians is one, of, is one of our prison epistles. It's, it's a letter that's written um, after, the end of the, of, after the end of the book of Acts when Paul finds himself there in Rome under house arrest, uh, waiting for his opportunity to appeal or to be seen before Caesar. And so it, while he's in that moment, he takes advantage of the opportunity to write uh, a group of letters, and one of those letters that he writes is to the church that's in the city of Philippi. Now, as he, as he writes this letter, you, you can imagine what, what, what the people in Philippi would have been thinking. Um, if you knew of a brother or a sister in Christ who was in some foreign place and, and they were imprisoned because of their faith, we would be very concerned about them, right? We would, be, we would be thinking about them. We'd be praying about them. It would probably be something that would be really prominent on our minds. Well, it's the same thing that's going on here. So Paul writes this letter, and it's, we won't, it's not running the whole book, but I just want you to read, I want you to hear what he says in verses 12, in verses 12 um, through 20. And then I want to make three points this morning about what true leaders look like. Paul writes this, verse 12. I want you to know, brethren, that my circumstances have turned out for the greater progress of the gospel, so that my imprisonment in the, in the cause of Christ has become well known throughout the whole praetorian guard and to everyone else, and that most of the brethren, trusting in the Lord because of my imprisonment, have far more courage to speak the word of God without fear 
Now some, to be sure, are preaching Christ even from envy and strife, but some also from goodwill. The latter do it out of love, knowing that I am appointed for the defense of the gospel. The former proclaim Christ out of selfish ambition rather than from pure motives, thinking to cause me some distress in my imprisonment. What then? Only that in every way, whether in pretense or in truth, Christ is proclaimed. And in this I will rejoice. Yes, I will rejoice. For I know that this shall turn out for my deliverance through your prayers and the provision of the Spirit of Jesus Christ, according to my earnest expectation and hope that I shall not be put to shame in anything, but that with all boldness Christ shall even now as always be exalted in my body, whether by life or by death. It is a letter written by a man who's imprisoned to the church at Philippi. The very first thing that sticks out to me when I think about Paul as a leader, when I think about what we ought to be striving to be as a church, as individual Christians, whatever title we may or we may not hold, the very first thing that comes into my mind is this idea that leadership... Leadership is concerned with other people. Too often in our world, and unfortunately at times, maybe even in the church, we think that leadership means that other people do what you want. That's not leadership. Leadership is about being concerned about other people. Paul writes these words, When we would look at his life and we would say, you would have every right, every expectation to be self-absorbed. Do you know what's going on in my life? Are you ever tempted to have that conversation when you hear maybe maybe someone is griping or complaining or there's something that that they don't like or or they're going on and on and you just want, I mean, you just want to stop and say, uh, do you know what's going on in my life? You ever have those moments? Paul was... If anybody could have said that, he could have said that. I mean, I'm here in, a, in, in imprisonment. I can't, I'm not even free to go about my own. I have soldiers that, that, that are surrounding me. And in that moment, Paul says, I wonder how the church at Philippi is doing. You know, the church at Philippi, those brethren are probably really worried about me. I need to write them a letter to encourage them and to make sure that they don't get too bogged down by my suffering for the cause of Christ. You know what? This is actually a great opportunity. Here in this most terrible thing that's going on in my life, this is actually an opportunity for me to not only let them know I'm okay, but also to help them grow in in their faith. This is why Paul writes this letter. Paul was a leader because he was not just concerned about himself. Paul was concerned about the lives and the souls of everyone who was around him, not just in person, but that he had come into contact with all throughout the years. If we truly want to be leaders for the cause of Christ, we must understand it is not about us. It is about others. 
Matter of fact, in the next chapter, Paul is going to he's going to give us what I think are some of the most challenging words in all of the New Testament. Philippians chapter 2, verses 3 and 4, when Paul says, by the way, I think these words have special meaning and significance because of who wrote them. You know, when someone talks about sacrifice and you think they don't know anything about sacrifice, they might be true words, but they don't carry the weight, right? But when you know someone has or is in the midst of great turmoil, when that person says something, there's weight behind those things. So Paul writes Philippians chapter 2. He says verse, in verse 3 and 4, he says, Let nothing be done. Let nothing be done through selfish ambition or conceit, but in lowliness of mind. Let each esteem others better than himself. Let each of you look out not only for his own interests, but also for the interests of others. Can I challenge you this morning? Can I challenge you this morning to consider how much time you spend thinking about other people? Not, I'm not talking about that busybody thinking about other people. I'm not talking about uh, d- d- diagramming everybody else's problems. That, that's, <laughs> we've talked about that. That's not the good way, right? I'm talking about actually caring and serving, and spending time, not, not on yourself, but for others. Paul would say that is the very mind of Christ. When we don't allow our lives to be about what we want, but we, but we make sure our lives are about the good and the well-being of others. Over in 2 Corinthians chapter 11 and verse 28, uh, Paul says what I think is, is an interesting line. You remember in 2 Corinthians chapter 11, uh, Paul's been going through all these terrible things. By the way, he prefaces this by saying this is really a bunch of foolishness, right? I mean, I could talk about all the things I've done that I've endured, and I'm only doing that because you, you, this is a foolish conversation. He's not trying to brag or say, woe is me or anything like that. But, but he gets to the end of all these, of all these somewhat amazing uh, things that he's endured for the cause of Christ. And he says in verse 28 of 2 Corinthians 11, and besides the other things, what comes upon me daily is my deep concern for all the churches. He says, you know, you can talk about being beaten, you can talk about being shipwrecked, but can I tell you what great burden I really bear? is I can't stop thinking about my brethren. That weight that will be upon any true leader within the Lord's body. I care about what's going on in other people's lives. I care about their spiritual strength or the lack thereof. I care whether they're here or whether they're not here. I care whether they're engaged or whether they're not engaged. I care about, about the trials that they're enduring and, 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 the, and the good things that are happening. I care about those things. And that is a heavy weight. That is an extremely heavy weight. But that's what it means to be a leader. That's what provokes Paul from his own imprisonment to say, let's spend some time thinking about the church that's in Philippi. Leaders are, not, leaders are concerned for others. Secondly, when I read here in Philippians chapter 1, the example of Paul, I'm struck, I'm struck with this concern that leaders are not concerned with their own prominence. 
You ever have anyone who was very concerned that they got recognition? By the way, I believe in recognition. I think recognition is a good thing. It's a godly thing, right? To, excuse me, to give, I can't talk, to give honor to, to those whom honor is due. I believe that. I believe that we ought to be participating in that. Sometimes, sometimes people react in such a way as if it would be wrong to ever celebrate anyone or anything. I don't believe that, that that's a biblical idea, but, but it can become an issue not when I'm celebrating you, but when I get concerned about making sure that I'm celebrated, making sure that you acknowledge who I am. We become like diatrophies who love to have the preeminence. And we read those words, and, and for anyone who is a leader in this room, there's probably a part of us that greatly understands, we greatly understand why, why that is. It's wonderful to be celebrated. At least I'll take it over the alternative, right? But, but there is this fleshly side of man that we can crave those things and we can be ruled by those things. And if there ever was someone who could have stood up and said, do you know who I am? Wouldn't it have been the Apostle Paul? You need to respect me. Wouldn't it have been the Apostle Paul? But yet he writes these things and he writes about the good things that are coming from even his imprisonment and he writes about the, these people, he writes about these people in verse 15 who preach Christ even from envy and strife. He says that there are these people out there and they don't like me very much. For whatever reason, not everybody liked Paul. You ever been shocked at the fact that, may, that, not, that not everybody likes you? I think some people are truly shocked, this idea, you know, uh, to realize uh, not everyone loves Wes Hazel. Well, why not? (laughs) Right? I mean, for for me, it's like, well, but but for every one of us, the the sooner we begin to understand this, and that's okay. It doesn't mean that we're ugly or anything like that, right? just, Just this understanding, not everybody liked Paul. And some way in their own sinful minds that they were preaching Christ not sincerely, but thinking that somehow that they were going to add to his affliction, add to his chains. Now, what they were doing was wrong, okay? But what I want us to see is how a true leader deals with those things even when what others are doing is wrong. Paul said, I'm not really concerned about that. What I'm concerned about is that they're preaching Christ. You can go out there and, I mean, you you got a really bad attitude, but if you're preaching Christ, I'm glad that you're preaching Christ. Paul wasn't saying they don't need to change their attitude. Actually, that's why he calls them out. Paul's like, Mr. Call them out, right? He talks so openly about what's going on. Whatever. Uh, That's another another element of of leadership there. But but Paul says, I'm not going to lose my focus on what's really important just because you don't think I'm important. You, you, you can like me, you can not like me, Paul says, but you better preach Christ. You better preach Christ. And I'm not, I'm not going to tear these things down simply because you don't like me. Leaders are not concerned with their own prominence. You see, true leaders begin to understand as they're concerned about other people that true leadership is really about being the sacrifice. 
over in Ephesians chapter 5, we, we look at the relationship between a husband and a wife. There's leadership to be played in the relationship between a husband and a wife, isn't there? Ephesians 5, he talks about how the man is the head, is the head, is the head of the woman, right? But, but some people think that that is, is a place where their, their prominence needs to be acknowledged. That's not what he says at all. Matter of fact, he says, Ephesians 5 and verse 25, Husbands, love your wives. Just as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for her. This idea that sometimes when people reject headship, sometimes they reject headship because headship isn't actually leading. I'm not really interested in any any sort of relationship where where somebody's just going to tell me what to do all the time. But I'll listen to what a lot of people have to say if I think they're willing to die for me. That's what he says is going on in, in, in these relationships. You're the leader? Good. You get to die. You get to sacrifice. I've always jokingly said that somewhere in the Bible it says that, that the wife is supposed to have a nicer car than the husband. I don't know where that's at in the Bible. Um, I don't think it's actually in the Bible. But that principle of sacrifice, it may be one way that that comes out, at least in in my twisted mind, right? Who's going to sacrifice? Who's going to be the one that that, that is going to be the sacrifice? Well, it's the leader in the home, in the church. Hey, but what if if people are saying things they ought not say? What what if people aren't giving me the respect that I deserve? We won't even debate about what, what we deserve. We'll just say, yeah, you deserve it. You remember, you remember when Jesus was trying to prepare his disciples for the fact that he wouldn't be here? I mean, he's trying to prepare them to be real leaders. They're going to be apostles, the pillars of the church. John 10, verses 14 through 16. You remember what, he's, what he does? He gets up and he preaches an amazing sermon. Is that what he does? Nope. They come, in, they come in to eat, and he starts to wash their feet. The, the, they respond in verse, this is John 10 and verse 14. If I then, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. For I have given you an example that you should do as I have done. For most assuredly, I say to you that a servant is not greater than his master, nor is he who is sent greater than he who sent him. Now, we said that it would make sense for Paul to have, to have uh, prominence or to be honored or to be celebrated. That would make sense to us. Paul doesn't even compare. We're talking about Jesus, the Son of God, the great I Am, the Creator, God in the flesh. I mean, if there was, ever was anybody who, who, who could have said, do you know who you're talking to? Really? Do you, do, I mean, wh- why, why are you not worshiping everything that I do at this exact moment? He could have done it, and it wouldn't have even been arrogant. It would have been true. See, if I said something like that, it would be arrogant, right? It would be sinful. It would be prideful. It wouldn't be true. But when God calls for men to worship Him... He's the only one who is actually worthy. When we think about being leaders, being leaders like Christ, being leaders like Paul, 
Leaders are not concerned with their own prominence. Do people acknowledge you? Wonderful. Do they not acknowledge you? Get over it. They put Jesus on a cross. Do, do we expect, do, do we demand more? That's not leadership. That's not leadership. Leaders are concerned about other people, and they're, not con- and they're not concerned with prominence. Thirdly, leaders are not ashamed. Leaders are not ashamed. At the end of, of this section where Paul is, is talking about, listen, I don't care why they're preaching, I just want them to preach Christ. He, he says, he, he says that their relationship, their relationship is according to his earnest expectation and hope that in nothing shall I be ashamed. But with all boldness, as always, so now also Christ will be magnified in my body. See, it might be easier, easy for us to look at some of these uh, great heroes of the faith and say, well, this came easy for them, right? Th- th- this is something that comes natural to them. They were born leaders. These things don't come easy to me. I think Paul would, would resent such a thought. This isn't about what came easy to him. Matter of fact, he, he requests, as Peter and John also do when they gather together with the church, prayers for boldness. You, you don't ask for prayers for boldness unless, unless some things are highly unnerving to you. I need some help. I know what I need to do. I even want to do it. I'm just not sure that I have the courage to do it. Can, can we all find ourselves described with that? So God, give me boldness to be what I want to be, which is what you want me to be. So they're praying for this, and that prayer for boldness, he says, so that in nothing I shall be ashamed. It's one of those... Paul could have kept his mouth shut a long time ago and not found himself where he was. Couldn't he? Paul could have not preached that sermon. Paul could have not stood up. And he wouldn't have had half the problems that he had in his life. But he was bold. He was not ashamed. See, it's, we're, we deal with Lads the Leaders program, and I love the Lads the Leaders program because, because we're giving our young men, we're giving our young lady tools, right? Tools that are going to help them and allow them to be leaders in the future. And, and, and if they're not leaders, it's not going to be because they don't know how to lead. They know how to do those things. But over and over in our practices, the, the, there, is this, there is this understanding. I don't care how good you are. Some of them are really good, aren't they? Aren't they? I mean, so some of them are, are real. I mean, you can just kind of, that, man, they, they, you know, I know the parable of talents is about money, but if it was about talent, uh, then they would probably fit pretty well in there. But you can be great in this room. You can go to Atlanta and you can win all sorts of trophies. You, 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 can, you can be the winter circle champions and all these things. But if it doesn't translate into who you are as, as an adult, it doesn't do you any good. If I'm bold in this pulpit, 
but I'm not bold in other, in other arenas of my life. That's, just, that, that's the exact thing that, that people actually mocked Paul for, right? His letters are weighty, but when he's in your presence, there's nothing really to worry about. What are they? they said, Paul talked a big game. And Paul says, you're, you're about to find out. We won't go down, down that road, right? But that's why we're doing these things, to give our young people this tool to not be ashamed. How often do we talk about Jesus outside of this place or his church or his word? It's one of these, I think we have to ask this question. Paul would say in, in Romans chapter 1 and verse 16, I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. Why? It's the power of God unto salvation for everyone who believes, right? I mean, we, we, we understand that I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. But are we? Are we comfortable talking in our workplace? I'm, I'm not talking about, you know, getting somebody in the corner. I'm, I'm not, you know, and preaching on the sermon from last week. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm just talking about as of who we are. When our faith comes up, how comfortable are we asking people to, to study the Word of God with us? Or do they have to come and beg us? before we would ever actually talk about Jesus. I just, I mean, those are my thoughts about what's in this, what Paul's praying for. I don't want to be ashamed. But there's this fleshly side of me that says, keep your mouth shut, Wes. You're going to cause yourself problems, right? They don't want to hear it anyways. That's that fleshly side. I don't know if you guys have one of those in your mind, right? Just talks to me, talks to me. I listen to him far too often. I think Paul, not think, I know, Paul had a fleshly side. But Paul said, God, give me strength. Give me boldness so that, that I shall be ashamed in nothing. Jesus said in Luke chapter 9, verses 23 through 26, If anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. Whoever desires to lose his life will save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will save it. For what profit is it to a man if he gains the whole world and is himself destroyed or lost? Keep reading. We, we make lots of application of those verses, right? Gaining the whole world, but, but losing one's soul. But look at what he bookends this with. Verse 26. For whoever is ashamed of me and my words. Of him, the Son of Man will be ashamed when he comes in his own glory and in his Father's and of the holy angels. I don't want to be ashamed. I want to be a leader in the same way that Paul was a leader. That doesn't mean, okay, I'm going to stand up front and you're going to listen to me. That's not a leader a leader is someone who says, I care more about you than I do about myself. I will live for you and not myself. I will die for you and not myself. That's what Christ did. A leader is not concerned about, about prominence. Whether you acknowledge, whether others acknowledge, or they don't acknowledge, whether they should, it, it doesn't matter to me. It doesn't matter to me. 
I want Christ to be glorified. I want Christ to be glorified. Whether that's through, through my glory, that, 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 that will bring Him glory, John 17, glorify me that I may glorify you, or whether it is through my suffering that He has brought glory, Philippians chapter 1. I don't care. I purposefully want God to receive glory. And leaders, well, leaders are not ashamed. Leaders are not ashamed to be the leader. Leaders are not ashamed to point people to Christ. There's an old saying that if if someone has to tell you that, that they're the leader, they're probably not the leader. You ever heard that? I think there's a lot of truth in that. I've had a lot of people through the years try to tell me, well, I'm the leader. Okay. You know, if you feel good having that on the door, whatever, whatever floats your boat, okay? But I'm going to tell you, that doesn't make you the leader. Paul was the leader. He didn't have to tell people who he was. He started off the letter saying, I'm Paul, servant, slave, do loss of God. That's who I am. But everybody knew that he was the leader. They saw it. They didn't just hear it in his words, but they saw it in his life. Leadership Sunday. Can I tell you? I'm excited. I really am. I look forward to this day all year long. Really look forward to it because it just makes you think, right? What sort of a man is this boy going to turn into? What sort of a woman is this young lady going to turn into? And sometimes we see their parents and we think, well, I, have, I think I have a pretty good idea, right? But that hope, that dream, that expectation. But it goes beyond our children to look at our own lives and say, what sort of a, what sort of a leader is this man going to turn into? What sort of a leader is this, is, this, is this woman going to turn into? What is God going to do through their life? What is God going to do through my life? See, that invitation that we give to be born again, that's that invitation to come, no matter who you are, where you are, what's happened in your life, that invitation to come and have your sins washed away. Those things that we think disqualify us from being the leader, well, they would have born for Christ. But in Christ, in Christ we come to be born again so that we might walk in a newness of life. So if you're here this morning and you've never, and you've never been immersed and had your sins washed away, the invitation is for you to come. Not just to come and then sit on a pew for the rest of your life. No, 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 no. But for you to come and then you to be about the Father's business with the rest of your life. I want to see it out of these young people, but I want to see it out of me. And I want to see it out of you. Friends, if you have a need, a need to repent, a need to be born again, a need to to just ask for His boldness, why don't you come this morning as we stand and as we sing?